Danielle Mayfield. And I'm Crispin Mayfield. And this is the Prophetic Imagination Station Podcast. Where we discuss evangelical media from the 80s and 90s to understand how it impacted us and our generation. This season, we're talking about DC Talks album, Jesus Free. Hello. We are t- calling this the Mrs. Morgan part of the series. Oh, this is Mrs. Morgan part two? Uh-huh. Yes, because, you know, no, it's a this, little interlude. No, again. It's not an interlude. It's the prelude. It's the oh. prelude because where did DC Talk get this idea of Jesus freaks from? Mm. You have to tell me. The Jesus movement. Yes, the Jesus movement. I mean, so that's what we're talking about I today. Knew that since that's <laughs> yeah. what we're talking about today. You're supposed to be a stand-in for the listener, Crispin. Okay. Okay. They've seen the t- the description by this point. That oh. They know that we're talking about it. I don't read the description before this yeah, podcast. Me okay. Anyway, so that's what we're talking about. <laughs> the prelude to DC Talk and Jesus Freaks is. Uh, what we would call the Jesus movement. Sometimes it's called like the Jesus people. Is that different than Jesus people USA? I mean, that that was like birthed out of the Jesus movement. Does oh, that make okay. sense? But yes. in general, just call them Jesus people. You know, uh-huh. we're just people who follow Jesus. What comes to your mind when you hear that? Bare feet. Yeah. Okay. What else? Long hair. Yeah. Okay. California. So hippies is yes. what you're saying. Uh-huh. Okay, what era are you thinking? Um, I'm I'm thinking of hippies without the regalia, though. Anyway, okay. uh, like I'm no thinking marijuana. Yes, okay. but also like I feel like they don't wear as much. I feel like Jesus people don't wear as much jewelry, but their hair is as long as their and their feet are okay. as bare. Okay. Um, in yeah. my mind, okay. I'm thinking the seventies because my mind is like. Hippies are 60s and Christian copycat movements always come 10 years later. You're not wrong there, bud. You're not wrong. Because I keep saying the 60s, but really it kind of started in 1969. So basically the 70s. So yeah. Yeah. My logic was correct. Right. So, I mean, what what are we going to do here today is just kind of me info dumping about some (laughs) stuff I've been researching. And a movie you didn't watch. And a movie I didn't see. Right. And so people can, you know, bail ship now if they want to. But I have been thinking a lot about the Jesus movement recently and have been doing some deep dives on it, partly for this podcast, but also I would say the majority just to help me understand my life because both of my parents were really impacted by the Jesus movement. It's a huge part of their like faith story. And there's just been tons of mythologizing around the Jesus movement happening like currently. And I just thought it would be interesting to talk about that. Right. Okay. Now, I think it's worth mentioning that this was not necessarily out of thin air, though it is related to our our season. Mm -hmm. There is a movie that is out right now called The Jesus Revolution. Yeah, Jesus Revolution. Mm -hmm. And which is about the Jesus movement. Yeah. You were going to go see it. You did a bunch of prep Uh around it. Uh And then we got snowed in for days and... Realize that in all the prep, you understand that it's a propaganda movie <laughs> yeah. that you don't need to see to be able to I talk really about. I really need to give them my money to see it. And actually, listener of and friend of the show, Zach Mom, I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm saying his name correctly. I'm sorry, Zach. Um, he had messaged me and said he had seen an early screener and he gave me a little bit of info, which is basically like 
Then Vi was most wanting to know about the movie. And so he um, told me that. And I was like, oh, yeah, now I don't really need to go. Yay. <laughs> so you do have a, a fact checker. A little bit. Yes. yes. But uh-huh. also I'm like, I don't really think I even need one at this point. If mm-hmm. you think I do, I don't know. Like, that's fine. Um, I think it's fine to critique things you haven't seen because I'm not just critiquing the movie i'm critiquing the mythologizing of the specific period in history and it seems like there there is a connection between this movie and the jesus music I oh i'm so glad you said that what do you know about that connection uh not a lot but um as you if you were a patreon uh member at that time we actually watched it together as a community at some point in this last year um, but the Jesus Gre- music documentary. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And Greg Laurie was in it quite a bit talking about the Jesus movement. Like that was like they talk about the music side of it. But like I feel like there's a lot of overlap because Greg Laurie was in that documentary a lot. And you know what's so funny is like I definitely have a radar for like bad people in evangelicalism. Right. Like yes. you could say a name and I could just spit out some facts about bad things they've done right Mm -hmm. um but greg laurie i have no clue who he is like i watched that documentary because you forced me to for this podcast but i don't remember him being in it i don't remember what he said like i think if you had asked me i'd be like oh did he like do some stuff with trump which of course he did um but beyond that i don't really know of him i knew of chuck smith and calvary chapel but not a ton yeah i mean the reason that i know of him is because watching it in the theater all alone I had to Google him to oh, be okay. like, who is this dude? So. so I think some people know him. Greg Laurie is like basically now a mega church pastor of a church in Riverside, California. I believe it's called Harvest Something Something. Um, Was that the one that um, – never mind. We'll cut that. Okay. And he also started something called the Harvest Crusades, which according to his website, these evangelistic events have had more than 9.8 million people participate in them okay and so he is like i guess this you know prominent white evangelical pastor guy but in the past few years he's really become i would say almost obsessed with this idea of reframing the jesus movement with himself you know as the star and the center of it and that does go back to this jesus uh, music documentary you know he wrote the foreword for like a book about the jesus mu- music he was in the documentary involved in production they sell it on his church's website for 30 dollars. you know like they're actively promoting it so yes it's he's 30 dollars. yeah oh my gosh so i mean that's what's insane it's like he makes a lot of money off of this stuff uh-huh. you know so there's that and that documentary basically existed to get all these contemporary christian artists that if you grew up like us, right, you have this like emotional bond to some of these people, right? So, um, Toby Mac was in it. Were any was anybody yeah. else from DC Talk in it? Yeah, yeah, um, all of them. All of them. See, this is how bad my memory is, and I claim trauma. Okay, when you are a highly anxious person, you're not really able to develop a lot of memories because all of your energy is going on to surviving. So, I have a really bad memory, mm-hmm. which maybe doesn't make people trust me. Um, as a podcast host, but okay. <laughs> you know, I wish I didn't have all this awful information about awful evangelicals is what I'm trying to say, but I do. And the reason I remember Toby Mac is, and we talked about this in our episode is he just looks haggard and really sad because he's been through a lot of personal tragedy. And that, I think that's why I remember Toby Mac was in it. But yes, all of these people, Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, Stephen Kershaw, like they're all like 
All of this comes from the Jesus movement. Mm -hmm. You know, these hippies in this sun-drenched California, late 60s, early 70s, and Larry Norman. But the Jesus movement really is the place where they started, you know, all these young people were gathering, these churches were exploding. And they then they basically were like a- appropriating like the hippie movement in terms of like, you know, aesthetics, but also music, right? That's kind of how we got here musically. Sort of. I mean, yeah, like lots of choruses, lots of singing. So they started writing songs and then producing the music. And, and yeah, that's like the first commercialized Christian you know, worship music and, and lots of bands came out of that too. I think Larry Norman, you know, is, is a pretty famous one, but yeah. So that's kind of how the documentary laid the groundwork for this movie that came out this week called Jesus Revolution, which is like this, you know, Hollywood take on the Jesus movement. And of course the main character is Greg Laurie and the movie is based off of a book written by Greg Laurie about himself. (laughs) And who plays Greg Laurie? I don't know, some young kid. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and so, but Chuck Smith is in this movie as the founder of Calvary Chapel, and he's played by Kelsey Grammer, which is probably one of the biggest names that people will recognize in this movie. Which, as an aside, Kelsey Grammer is a horrible person, has multiple abuse allegations against him, and is a rabid Trump supporter. So that all checks out him uh, playing. Chuck Smith, I guess. I need to know who Jim Gaffigan plays. Oh, I think he probably has a bit part. Oh, okay. But yeah, so I, I, because in the movie, Greg Laurie is 19, right? So he's a young guy Uh. and he's like interested in like, what's all this about? And he is converted by Lonnie Frisbee, who is kind of the person I've been fixating on in the past few weeks researching and learning about because Lonnie Frisbee is this integral part of the Jesus movement and yet he has been written out or highly edited right in all of these accounts and that is absolutely true for the Jesus revolution and that's the information like Zach was giving me about like how do they treat Lonnie um, and so that's the information I was I was mostly interested in so yeah mm-hmm. and yeah Lonnie Frisbee started vineyard started to calvary chapel and vineyard well i mean should we get into it yeah well i think it's just important to say like why is lonnie frisbee so important yeah okay so you ready for this crispin and Uh i just want to preface this by saying um i'm trying to work on myself and notice like when the things i get hyper fixated on or, or they're starting to become a special interest like where where is that coming from and my therapist you know recently said your special interests just seem to like trigger you into fight response and they don't seem to be like super calming for you. So I'm like in this space of trying to evaluate why am I diving so deep into this? Like, why am I watching documentaries on Lonnie Frisbee? Why am I reading Chuck Smith, John Wimber, and Greg Laurie's accounts of the Jesus movement to see what they did to Lonnie? Like, why am I doing all of this work? Like, for what? For this podcast? Uh, that doesn't seem like a good payoff if you're asking me, right? Um, <laughs> so I'm just trying to be like, okay, let's take a step back. But I already did a lot of the research, so I am going to share <laughs> some of that here. I'm going to let it out here. But basically, when you think of the Jesus movement, you already told me like you think of hippies with long hair, 
bare feet, dressed in like kind of simple hippie clothes. No necklaces. No necklaces. No beads. <laughs> yes. Right. No wooden beads. Uh huh. Um. Well, basically, the person you're thinking of is Lonnie Frisbee. So he was like a young man who kind of had like a traumatic, troubled upbringing. He ran away from home and was, you know, really smart, but got really into drugs, psychedelics, like a lot of people were, a lot of traumatized people were, if I'm being perfectly honest. Mm -hmm. And, but he, he would do things like ask all his friends to go hiking, like by Palm Springs and get to the top of like a hike and have everybody take LSD and THC and then read his Bible and paint pictures of Jesus and like read passages about John the Baptist and hear visions from God that said, you're like John the Baptist and you're going to preach and, and thousands will be baptized and hear my name and, you know. And so that's all interesting, isn't mm-hmm. it? So then he's wandering around like, hey, Ashbury in San Francisco where all the hippies are. He talks about Jesus. In the beginning, he kind of thought Jesus was like an alien, you know? Okay. And love that. I know. So, and these Christians had started like a little hippie commune to minister to people because there was lots of bad SHIT going on. Like, mm-hmm. like think about the women who who joined this movement for peace and love, and think about how they were probably abused, right, mm-hmm. in these spaces with right. while on drugs and all, all this stuff. So, um, and lots of them didn't have money and all that. So, these Christians found Lonnie. They really liked him. He did love to read his Bible, and they kind of like set him straight. Like, okay, Jesus was not an alien, you know. Christian theology one on one. Jesus was not an alien. <laughs> That being said, kind of, you know, is an alien in Christian theology. There we go. So it's it's just funny to think about. They're like, okay, we like we like your enthusiasm. Let us set you straight. So then he kind of was sort of like a wandering itinerant hippie preacher and loved to talk about God. It's unclear like when he stopped taking LSD or whatever. Um, but lots of Christians were like, I met Jesus while high. That was my last trip. Like from that point on, right? Mm-hmm. I was all in on Jesus, which is interesting language if you think mm-hmm. about it. Um so then Chuck Smith was this conservative, like, pastor of, like, a kind of smallish church, and him and his wife lived in Orange County, California, and they were just, like, super disturbed by hippies, like these mm-hmm. dirty hippies. Like everyone else in Orange County? Uh, yes, exactly. Like, <laughs> like these hippies are taking over our conservative Christian enclave in Southern California. They're very mm-hmm. upset about it. And... um. And and this is so mythologized in the stories. Like, haha, it's so funny how much Chuck Smith and his wife hated hippies, which I find horrifying. But anyways, mm-hmm. so then he had one of his daughters bring him a hippie because he wanted to talk to one. And she, I think she <laughs> bring first me bring me a hippie. I think she first brought her boyfriend, who was kind of a hippie, and then he brought Lonnie. And Chuck Smith liked Lonnie. He said, this guy knows his Bible, wants to talk about the Bible, wants to talk about Jesus, and is a very charismatic person. And so he started having Lonnie like come and preach at his services. And and Lonnie truly just was like an old school revivalist, but in a hippie, you know, uh-huh. in a hippie body. And he didn't talk about hell or anything like that, but he was like, hey, I think everything that happened in the New Testament can happen to us today. And so he's like reaching to these charismatic roots. And so he was charismatic in style, but also in theology. And so there's like, he would pray for people. He would say, God wants to heal you. He would say, God can heal you. God can talk to you. Um, And he orchestrated these like emotional experiences. And people did have these experiences with the spirit or the divine, you know, at these things. And so 
he was just so good at getting hippies into Chuck Smith's church. And then mm. Chuck Smith would then preach the sermons that were like more Bible-based or whatever. So it was this interesting combination of this charismatic hippie who says, God loves you and Jesus wants you to feel the Holy Spirit today. And then Chuck Smith would then come next and be like, and here's how you read the Bible and how it'll impact you today. And what's what I continue to find fascinating is people like Chuck Smith, right? This They never talked about history, scholarship, Jewish interpretation. It was just how Chuck Smith read the Bible and you know what it means mm. for today. So Straight out of Orange County interpretation. <laughs> exactly. And so that's like a huge component of the Jesus movement is people getting brought in under the idea of lo- a connection to divine love and an mm-hmm. interventionist God mm-hmm. who will come and grace you with his presence, love, peace, healing, you know, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then also this idea of like, and the Bible is to be read like a personal handbook for your problems, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of it. And mm-hmm. and if you are having problems, you're just not reading the Bible enough, or you're not feeling this, the presence of God enough. Now, what do you want? You want to say something? Well, it just it really reminds me of like the this model of like early two thousands of like it's like this conservative denomination is going to fund this church plant, but they're really artsy and they're really like progressive looking and yeah. right like yeah. which it makes me just think the same thing of like on you know on the front and it looks very like the aesthetics fit right and then but actually like the core of it is this like conservative ideology yeah i think people like chuck smith um are are very smart in their own way right he the reason he didn't like hippies is because he was very upset at like the value revolution taking place in the 1960s, which if we take a step back and look at it, right, what was happening in the 1960s, right? Black people were saying, we are freaking sick of being discriminated against in every level of society. Like, mm-hmm. fix it. Um, and then, you know, feminism was on the rise. Right. Like, yeah, women, women saying like... Women were inching towards the place where they could have their own bank accounts for crying out loud. Like, oh, we better stop that. Um, and then, of course, the protests with Vietnam that ended up happening. And with hippies saying like, we are uncomfortable with increasing militarization and like the U.S. military presence worldwide, and Vietnam is such a good example of how toxic and tragic this can be. And so, Danielle, the FBI could not have done this better, right? Like infiltrated <laughs> these like hippie communities and turned them conservative. Yes, exactly. Right. Okay, thank you because I, you know my little conspiracy theory brain sometimes is like, but that's what I'm saying. Chuck Smith was smart. He said we have to reach the hippies, mm-hmm. or like, or white conservative Christianity is not going to make it. Like, mm-hmm. and he did that, and he did that by using Lonnie Frisbee, by using someone who I believe was a true believer. Um, he truly believed God was talking to him, and you know, from my point now, I can see he's somebody who experienced a lot of this while on LSD and while not on LSD. You, you know what yeah, I mean? Uh-huh. Like there's just so many commonalities in his story that makes Christians uncomfortable, I believe, but it's important to kind of sit in. So Chuck Smith used Lonnie and then Lonnie got a little too charismatic for him. He didn't like um, when people would fall down and shake and he didn't like demon possession, like 
Lonnie is saying people were demon-possessed and cast. Because oh. he was sort of like, well, they're Christians. How can they be demon-possessed? So those are the reasons he gave for finally telling Lonnie to move on. It is important to note this is like after like Lonnie had packed out the place. Chuck was starting to plant other churches. And now Calvary Chapel. It basically has like 1,800 churches. Like it's huge. And it was all because of the revivals that Lonnie started, right? Mm-hmm. So after Lonnie does that, he kind of flits around here and there. He ends up finally making his way to John Wimber's church, who uh, starts the vineyard, and he does the same thing there. He has these very famous sermons, these very famous revivals start. That's when like the charismatic stuff really starts happening in the vineyard, all because of Lonnie. And then he ends up getting kicked out of that church because um, someone came to the leadership and was like, I've been having like a six month affair with Lonnie. It was a young man. And so the church was like, oh my gosh, Lonnie's gay. He can't be in ministry anymore. And so from that point on, Lonnie was just not allowed to do anything. Um, And he ended up, it's just like a really sad story. So trigger warnings, okay? Trigger warnings, people. After basically, and the Vineyard Church, by the way, has like 2,400 churches now. Like, so Lonnie really was the revivalist who started both of these denominations. Mm -hmm. Plus, as the movie shows, he's the one who led Greg Laurie to Christ when Greg was 19 years old. And he told Greg Laurie, God's going to use you to preach to thousands, to convert thousands of people. And that's why Greg Laurie has kept Lonnie Frisbee in his story while like John Wimber totally erased him from the narrative and Lonnie's not mentioned in any vineyard materials or anything like that by name. Greg Laurie kept Lonnie in his story because Lonnie prophesied over him Mm. and said, you will do great things. God will use you. But he edited out everything else because Lonnie ended up dying at age 43 of AIDS, Mm. like just totally cast aside from all the Christians, all the men that used him, except they came to visit him while he was dying well, he was on hospice care just so that they could come back and tell people at the end of his life, Lonnie repented mm. and, you know, died and I guess went to heaven or whatever. Mm. And like Chuck Smith spoke at Lonnie's funeral. And you know what he said? What? He said Lonnie is a tragic figure like Samson, somebody who wasted, you know, his calling on God by turning to sin. And like he never lived up to his full potential. That's what he said at the funeral. Like, people who actually oh loved Lonnie were livid. Like, Connie, I mean, Connie Frisbee, who was Lonnie's ex-wife, um, I mean, she said she, and this, there's this amazing documentary about Lonnie Frisbee. I encourage everyone to watch it. It's on Amazon. So that's where you're getting a lot of this yes. information. Yes, and Connie was like, I had to be restrained from getting up out of my seat at Lonnie's funeral when Chuck really? Smith got up and said that. Huh. Like, what a horrific way to just put one more dig onto Lonnie. He Mm. didn't live up to his full potential. Mm. So this is some big stuff. And in the, in the Jesus revolution movie, they do again, they have Lonnie as a character, which was kind of shocking to me, but now I'm like, of course they do. He's the aesthetic choice. He's the one who looks like a hippie. He's the one who actually believed God was speaking to him. He's the one who prophesied over Greg Laurie and Chuck Smith. So the, white conservative men, you know, Mm -hmm. they need him in there. But the movie just says he died and they never talk about him being gay. And they just, so they leave out all of of the rest of Mm -hmm. it. And and Greg Laurie is now kind of like making the rounds, doing these YouTube interviews where he's like, never mentions that Laurie's gay. I mean, like Lonnie's gay, but says like Lonnie sinned. Like 
he was important in that he was there in the beginning, but he's not really important to the rest of the story. And he does the same thing Chuck Smith did, which says like, he was like Samson. He mm. wasted his potential because mm. he chose to sin. And you know what's really sad? Hmm. I watched this YouTube interview with with Greg Laurie talking about Lonnie, and it just like shook me to my core because he said he went to visit Lonnie when Lonnie was on hospice and dying of AIDS. And again, Greg Laurie abandoned him. Like Chuck Smith, John Wimmer, all these men abandoned Lonnie the second they could. Now when he is dying, they kind of come back and want to be like, are you sad for being gay? You know, can we mm-hmm. use your story? Mm-hmm. And he said that Lonnie was repentant, whatever that means. He was sorry. He didn't. He never wanted to promote his lifestyle. And then he said, this shook me to my core. He said that Lonnie, because he'd sort of repented and was trying to make amends with all these these Christians, he thought that God was going to heal him and was going to use him to preach again to thousands of people. And so he did not think he was going to die of AIDS. He, At the end of his life, he was kind of saying the same things he'd been saying his whole life, like, God's going to use me. And Greg Laurie was like, yeah, it was pretty tragic because he was so sick, so gaunt, like, one eye was closed, like, he was delusional, you know, and was kind of sad. And I was just like, you call him delusional there, but in your movie, he's not. Mm-hmm. Because what he was saying was that you, Greg Laurie, are going to preach to thousands and convert thousands. But then at the end of his life, you say he's delusional. You say that on these public podcasts. Like, it's so wrong to me, mm-hmm. like how people have used Lonnie Frisbee's life in the story of this Jesus movement. And at this point, I'm like, it's better to erase him than to do what Greg Laurie has done, which is just to make him this tragic figure, but who's worthwhile because he had the aesthetic look and he, you know, brought the people in and he said these positive prophecies about Greg Laurie. So mm. I do encourage people to read the documentary. I mean, read, <laughs> watch the documentary. <laughs> Lonnie Frisbee, The Life and Death of a Hippie Preacher on Amazon. It's it's made by a Christian and it's pretty low budget. And so I definitely think there's some trigger warnings if you are from the queer community and you don't want to hear Christians being like casually homophobic and cruel. Mm. That's a lot. But at this point, I'm sure people are used to that as well. Um, but it does mm-hmm. such a good job of trying to be like, who is this guy that's been erased from all the narratives? Mm-hmm. Sorry, that's a lot, and I feel like really <laughs> upset now just talking about it. So I, I got to calm down for a sec. What are, what are some thoughts you have? I think what's so like you've been talking publicly a little bit about this movie and how it's terrible, mm-hmm. and I think what is like so tricky. I'm in this place where I'm like, I don't know what I believe. You're like, I'm not a Christian. Yeah, I think if you are in the church and you are a Christian there's this really this thing that comes up that like even hearing this story of like how these movements came about right it's so hard because there's this part of you and this part of me mm-hmm. that wants to say like well i don't want to diminish what god did like i can't criticize it or i right. can't say it's wrong right because what if I'm blaspheming the Holy Spirit? Which we were told was the unforgivable sin. So yeah, right. there's a reason why we're freaked out. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's really interesting because then you think about like how that functions, right? So like, because you've gotten, is it okay to say like you've gotten pushback from a variety of people yeah. mm-hmm. from different spaces saying like, hey, like, why are you criticizing, why are you throwing this out? Like, why are you 100% saying this is, like, bad, right? And you're like, because it's propaganda and it upholds, like, you know, this white nationalist evangelical, like, you know, form of Christianity. And yet I think it's so hard um, if you are a Christian. I just want to name this, like, because you don't want to be like, well, what if God was moving? And like, look at the fruits, Crispin. That's what they always say. I'm like, okay, well, this happened 50 years ago. We can look at the fruits. Like, Mm -hmm. Greg Laurie is a full on Trumper who is making millions off of telling people the Jesus movement was really about him. Mm -hmm. He's just a man who wrote a book starring himself, who made a movie starring himself. (laughs) It's a movie by Greg Laurie for Greg Laurie. But because he uses all these Christian words, we're like, yeah, God's at work. We're like, no, this is a narcissist. This is just a boring old narcissist. That's really what it is about. And it pays me to say this. Mm-hmm. I don't want this to be true. I've been fighting against this my whole freaking life. Mm-hmm. I needed it to be true because mm-hmm. it was so meaningful to my parents. It's so meaningful to white evangelicals. Mm-hmm. I do not want to think of them as either nefarious or easily... Um, you know, deceived, deceived. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants that. Mm-hmm. I do not want that. Mm-hmm. But look at, I mean, just look at the facts. Uh-huh. He, if someone's listening out there, he's preaching a sermon as we speak. Cause we're recording this on a Sunday morning. Greg Laurie is preaching a sermon as we speak. Like with thousands of people turning in to hear him tell us, the best is yet to come. That's what his sermon is titled today. If if someone's out there that, you know, likes to edit images, please make a Jesus Revolution poster that just says, like, Jesus Revolution. By Greg Laurie, <laughs> for Greg Laurie. Yes, a movie by Greg Laurie. About Greg Laurie. About, for Gre- about Greg Laurie, for Greg Laurie. <laughs> by, about, and for. Uh-huh. That's what it is. It's a vanity project. Crispin, mm-hmm. this is a vanity project. It also serves as propaganda. So, you know, it's And I think it's like, it is so hard. Like, I think part of me wants to get out of this, like, piece of, like, is it of God or not? Because I think that that, like, trips us up. Well, who's telling you it is of God? Right. Is that a better question to ask? (laughs) Greg Laurie's telling you it's of God. That's what I'm saying. Right. It's true. Um, And I think, like, we are often pressured to think, like, is this of God or not? And you have to be gracious and you have to be non judgmental. And it really disallows us from, like, thinking historically mm-hmm. about what this means. Like, that's something, like, in the Faith and Justice this last year, um, Kristen Cobes Dumay. Um, has been part of the um, program. And so like having her as a historian and also mm-hmm. Peter Choi as a historian who you heard earlier being like, we get, if we get stuck on asking these questions of like, is this of God? Like we, you know, is this true or not? Is it theologically true? Like we miss out on the chance to ask like, what, where does this fit in history and how is this impacting people? And so 
I just think like um, when I think about this and so much of the because I've been seeing it on on my social media, people being like, I went to see this movie and it just was so inspiring. And even though it's problematic, like it's just a good reminder uh, that God is moving. And if that is the narrative, it takes the focus off of like, what did this movement mean in history? And what does it mean for our community? Like, how has it impacted our community? Yeah. So, which maybe is obvious, but I just wanted to like name that part of like when we get stuck in like, is this of God or not? It really uh, prevents us from asking lots of other really important questions. Yeah. And you probably don't want me to talk about this because I'm going to be too intense <laughs> yes. about that. Okay. So that's me as like a speaking to like, if you're a Christian and you're like trying to figure that part out. So, but for you, what would you say? No, you don't want me to talk about this. <laughs> yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes. We've just... You just identified that, you know, okay. this is this is DL's corner. <laughs> DL's conspiracy station. Conspiracy corner. Um, well, I would just say the past few weeks have been interesting, right? With the Asbury revival and just seeing like how people have cautioned everyone to, you know, wait and see. And, you know, you always want to hope for the best and maybe God is at work and maybe, you know. That was where I started. That's why I was thinking about this, but I forgot to mention it. I'm so glad you brought it up. Well, I mean, again, conspiracy corner deals. Like, well, why is the Asbury revival happening right now as this movie's coming out? As why evangelicals are getting more and more hysterical about the culture shifting away from them, right? Um, it's funny because they're not like they're still in the defensive. It's not like they've got a bunch of disaffected Gen Zers to join them. Although Asbury has some younger people, which is why the older folks are like, thank God, Gen <laughs> Z is finally coming, you know, to <laughs> Christ or whatever. Um, I also just saw that there's like measles outbreaks happening because uh-huh. of it. <laughs> um, anywho. And so for me, I've seen like progressive Christians, all these people like write all these posts about we can't really judge we do know that god does work in these things and so we have to and i'm just like what you can judge anybody can judge anything they want to Mm -hmm. i'm going to talk to you listeners right now you are allowed to judge you are allowed to judge everything that comes across your life and if anybody tells you you're not that is a huge red flag and i do mean progressive christian authors anybody with a large social media platform, telling people not to judge is a huge red flag. You are allowed to judge, okay? Bottom line, you're a human. You're allowed to have your own thoughts, feelings about whatever. So that's what I want to say about that. The second point is there's so many ethical problems with an interventionist God that we have to talk about. Mm. And so Asbury is a great example of this. Lonnie Frisbee is a great example of this. Like people who say, no, God does like break through and communicates with humans and heals people and can fix your anxiety and can make your life better, make you feel better. Like all of these things, like God will have you speak in tongues. God will have you prophesy. Um, if that's true, if if God chooses to intervene in the world in Asbury and, first of all, not heal people of measles, but, um, you know, maybe uh-huh. of other things, who knows, but, like, does it intervene in earthquakes in Turkey and Syria that are killing millions and millions of people? Like, 
that's a monster God. I'm sorry, you serve a monster God who will only show up if you sing and pray until you're emotionally exhausted and then will maybe make you feel a little good or something like that, but doesn't intervene in the rest. So like when people say like, I do believe in healings, I do believe this. I'm like, oh, you do? You do believe in interventionist God? Like, make it make sense for me. Mm -hmm. Because a God who heals like every 10th person and only if you're doing everything right and that person's heart is right and blah, 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 blah. Like, I've been in these situations my whole life because I was dragged into charismatic spaces my whole life and went to a Pentecostal Bible college. So I've heard this shit over and over again. And I'm finally at the point where I can say an interventionist God is a monstrous God. And that is what I believe. And I know that's so offensive to people. And I'm really sorry if that's triggering, but I would ask you to just take some time to sit with this, okay? To sit with this reality and just stop saying, I believe it happens sometimes. Why? Then what does that mean for the rest of us? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I know Christmas is not on the same page as me, and I'm really well, sorry. I mean, it's funny because in a lot good. of... It's good. We're modeling that there's different right. ways to... Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, also, like, I remember being 16 and being, like, in China and being, like, why did it even matter that Jesus came 2,000 years ago if, like, large portions of the world have no access uh, to that, you know, good news? Um, I want to go back a minute to the red flag part because that is what okay. has really that's what really shocked me and that's what made me think about this movie too is that like whether it's Asbury Revival or this movie people will be like don't question God's work right and you have yeah. to like but um, but yeah w the, the red flag part w when people say don't question God even people that are like I think of as very progressive yes. Let's wait and see. Don't judge. Don't mm -hmm. rush to judgment. What's the function there? Silencing. Okay. It's an enabling tactic, right, mm -hmm. to allow these systems to perpetuate these things because even progressive Christians are tied to Asbury, right? Anybody mm -hmm. who believes in an inter interventionist God is right. tied to Asbury. Does that make sense? Yeah, and yeah. they don't want to say that uh -huh. and they don't want to think through all the ethical ramifications of our society is falling apart and the God we believe in is showing up mm -hmm. at a conservative, homophobic, racist mm -hmm. school in Kentucky. And that's what we're supposed to get really excited about. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of being at uh, Sean Foyt's concert uh, three years ago. A pox on all his houses. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, his outdoor worship, whatever. And people being like, why don't you come worship with us? And being like, I don't know if we worship the same God. And that feel felt so like weird and scary. And like, I've been told my whole life to never do that. Never say like the God that you worship is bad, you know, or like critique this. Right. Um, yeah. For people who don't know, Chris and I went and protested a Sean Foyt, riots to revival event here in Portland in 2020, the summer of 2020. And we had been involved in Black Lives Matter protests mm -hmm. that summer downtown, getting tear gas, all that stuff. And then Sean Foyt showed up to sort of like say the Black Lives Matter protests are wrong and to have this revival. This is a thick of COVID, gathered all these people to sing. Mm -hmm. And it was a horrifying event. It changed the trajectory of my life for sure. And mm -hmm. I actually wrote a piece about that, how I stopped calling myself evangelical after that. It was like the most read article on religion news services that year. So like 
this is a big deal. And I haven't really heard you talk about that element as much, but I wrote in my piece, which we'll link, how I just thought I can't sing to this monstrous God. Uh-huh. You know, it's the first time I really allowed myself to say that. I think it what was, I think there's that piece of like processing, like, is this a monster God? But I think for me to, especially as an Enneagram 9 who like wants to keep the peace and see everyone's perspective, just recognizing like, oh, there's this line here that I've been told not to cross, which is like, you cannot say this is not of God or like you are not, you know, like you have to always give every other Christian the benefit of the doubt. And what's interesting is like this idea of like, well, we, you know, let's wait and see or like, let's kind of. There's not, it's not even like, let's look at the positives and negatives. It is like, if you bring up any negatives, then you are doing something wrong. Yes, and shamed for it. And so I have been shamed a lot recently and in very interesting ways. People try and use like my mental health to shame me even, which is fascinating. Um, But I'm just like, dude, I don't care anymore. Like, Mm. I am allowed to judge. Uh I am allowed to notice patterns. I am allowed to research history. Mm -hmm. And I want to use sources well. That's why I go into these deep dives and spend hundreds of hours. And, you know, I've written so mm-hmm. many thousands of words on Lonnie Frisbee. Mm-hmm. I, just like a few days ago, I told you, I was like, I could probably write a biography on him at this point. Because, mm-hmm. again, people are not investing in him and his stories. So there's not a ton out there. And and mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't need to. Chris, what'd you it tell t- me? You're well, like, no. It, <laughs> it does remind me. I, I was thinking about this. For, you're talking about, like, you can judge. Um. I was thinking about this interaction I had with someone recent, like within the last year. Uh, it wasn't that recent, but I was criticizing uh, local church Imago Day for uh, for something, for being horrible, for being homophobic. Yeah. Um, and someone reached out and was like, "Hey, um, like you're really not promoting unity. Um, why? Like, yeah. yeah, I understand there are things to critique, but why are you?" judging this this church like why are you wasting your energy on judging the church right and i said well i I just follow in the way of jesus who like continually criticized the religious establishment (laughs) so like i think like even if if you are in that christian faith tradition i think that there's room to say like actually like jesus didn't say like all right, we'll just give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Like, you can look at those, like, woe to you passages. I love the woes. You know exactly. I love the woes. Exactly, right. And I'm like, I but think But we that... aren't Jesus. You know what I mean? Which is why we can't. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, it to me, I used to, I was where, exactly what you're describing. I was in uh-huh. that space for at least 10 years. And now I'm out of that space, mm-hmm. right? And I still think by appealing to Jesus, like, we're trying to legitimize our own like intuitions in a way. And yeah, I'm saying you true. can judge You don't have to based be Jesus off of, and you can't. Yes, you can judge based off of Jesus' words, which you will have tons of fodder for, as we mm-hmm. have done. And you can also judge outside of that too. You know, mm-hmm. and I just think sometimes when people hear me and I'm so intense and I say these really intense things, they think I'm trying to convince them. And, and I want to say like, I don't want to make everyone think like me. And maybe in the past I have, but I am allowed to be honest about what I am seeing and noticing and experiencing and helping. Like the reason I research Lonnie Frisbee, the reason I'm researching the Jesus movement is because I'm trying to make sense of my life, mm. what I gave my life to and how messed up white evangelicalism truly is, you know? And so like, 
you can think differently from it. You can do all that. And I honestly think I'm getting to a place where I'm like, yeah, that's good. <laughs> you know, like, uh-huh. don't just believe what I say. Like, right. Um, but you spent what over 10 years trying to convince evangelicals to see things differently from like or an ethical like, place. Or right? just to be like, hey, this doesn't seem to match up with Jesus in the scriptures. And, mm-hmm. you know, they don't care. They would rather watch a movie about the Jesus movement than actually engage with, you know, the historical Jesus, which is fascinating because the character who plays Jesus in The Chosen, you know, actually plays Lonnie Frisbee in the Jesus Revolution movie. Oh, my gosh. I heard that there was connections, but Isn't I did that not interesting? know that. Mm-hmm. And he seems to have no problem with the erasure of Lonnie's actual life. And, and also, it's kind of weird because Lonnie was very young when this all happened, and the actor playing him is not... Young and Zach, when he was messaging me, was saying like, "So maybe people watching the movie won't even know like, Lonnie was a really young man, like, and uh, you know when oh, he died even and stuff, you know, because like you see this older character and then it's like, oh, he died, you know, twenty years later or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, well, he was really young. He was forty three years old when he died of AIDS, and he died on my birthday, March twelfth. Wow. So, yeah." Wrapping up. Sorry. We talked uh no, we, we we talked a little bit about Asbury Revival here. We talked about it on our latest Patreon episode mm-hmm. and a lot more about like worship services yes. and what it's like to be in those spaces, which I feel like, you know This is obviously a part of this discussion because right. the music is so important to the propaganda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, yeah. Exactly. And I think it brings up those same things of like I mean I think I think this is an untouched, uh, generally untouched topic because we've talked about like some toxic theology. We've talked about those sorts of things. We talked about like why Wayne Grudem's systematic theology and yet he can support Trump is like problematic. But like being in spaces and worship service spaces and like having this explicit message of like God is at work here. And not being able to question this that. This is good. You can't question it. Right. Um, I think it's a, another part of the conversation that we got into over there. So I just wanted to mention that if you all want to listen or join as a Patreon. Um, this is a huge topic. And um, yeah, I, I think like the Jesus movement, you know, it, obviously like we're talking about Vineyard. We're talking about um, Calvary Chapel, like led into the charismatic church service movement stuff like it's just all connected and to jesus freak so dc talk was like the younger version in the 90s like let's sound like kurt cobain and let's right, just the same like exactly. here like here are the aesthetics Here's the aesthetics and this time they're like let's make it slightly racially diverse mm-hmm. <laughs> which is also i think part of the aesthetic yeah of course it's totally and so i'm like it's all connected y'all conspiracy mm-hmm. brain um you know what i was doing while you were talking watching uh, i was trolling gray laurie's live stream <laughs> what were you doing i said i had to sign up and make an account and then i said why did gray laurie write a book all about himself and then make a movie all about himself seems pretty narcissistic to me so we'll see how it goes it's funny you talk and talk and i'm like trying to process it all yeah and i'm talking and talking and you're like i'm listening and i'm also like commenting <laughs> on gray laurie <laughs> So my years of multitasking coming ways in. ways our different brains work. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we are going to be back on the Jesus Freak beat, but it just felt really relevant um, because, yeah, Jesus Freak really does. It has that. It didn't come out of nowhere. Right. It claims Mm -hmm. direct lineage lineage to the Jesus movement. And yeah, I think it's really important to just assess how these stories are being told. And I guess I I tried to deal with that by delving into the actual life of Lonnie Frisbee. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think um, this counterculture that's actually just culture is just like, I just am seeing it everywhere. Yeah. You know, like this idea of like, we're counterculture, but actually we just have these like, you know, white middle-class American values. Didn't you just hear of a church called the counterculture church? Yes. So I don't want to name names, but I'm going to name names because the church. Yeah. I was getting these Facebook ads. They think you're such a Christian. Yes. For, yeah, whatever reason. I was getting these Facebook. No, they know. They're trying to get me back. Oh, okay. Okay. And so um, this church that isn't open yet but is launching, has some launch events, is called Counterculture Church. Sounds great, Kristen. And it is a couple that felt called by God to move from Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. Yes. To Portland to plant a counterculture church. Yes. Which I think is. Which means uh, homophobic. Yes, right. No, I think it is. Um, it's but it, I mean, it, it's Mark Driscoll all over again, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? It's like we are real punk rock <laughs> because we are going against yes. the alternative culture and going back to the like a, you know traditional values yeah. or whatever. But I think yeah, we just see this over and over and over again. It's very upsetting to me because I think there's an element of um, gaslighting. Yeah. Of saying, like, hey, like, we are act- the actual counterculture, yeah. but it's actually just, like, it's not counterculture. No, it's, it's not, not at culture. all. Yeah. Anyway, we'll stop rambling. We will be back soon. Um, our next episode is going to be with Semler. Oh, my gosh. Um, we talked to Grace Baldridge. Um, so, it, in preparation for that, um, you know, listen to some Semler music. We'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, make sure to listen to the their song toby mac oh yeah um because Mm -hmm. it fits so anyway we will be back soon thanks y'all for listening thanks for listening this has been an episode of the prophetic imagination station podcast become a patreon supporter for as little as a dollar 50 a month and join our community with extra episodes and a facebook group to talk about jesus freak religious trauma and growing up evangelical You can find us online at propheticimaginationstation.com as well as Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, thanks for listening.